That's me. Beautiful What's human up? being. Nothing. What's up with you? No. We are recording on Thursday. It is June first. It's the first of the month. Joe, that's wake up, wake up! It's yeah, the first of the month. Get up, yeah. get up! We talked that about was, bomb thugs last week, didn't we? The la- yeah, last month. The last time it was the first of the month. <laughs> it's wild that we're recording again on the first of the month. But I guess that's what happens when we break our routine. Like I said before, we're recording on Thursday instead of Friday this week because today is Game One of the NBA freaking Finals. After what feels like 19,000 months of waiting for this series to start, here we are. But before we get into that, allow me to introduce myself. I am Jared Mintz. My name is Humpty. (laughs) Joining me today, who is bringing in all the 90s and 80s uh, ad-libs for hip-hop songs, my partner in rhyme, Joseph Nardone. Joe, how are you feeling today, bud? Pretty good. Um, Technically, it's my day off, but we decided we were going to do the super special secret edition of the podcast yesterday um i spent nine hours working on an nba draft project and uh it's gonna be my only one so keep your eye out for it i don't know if it's coming out today or early next week it's not really time sensitive but that's what i did yesterday jared i had notes like handwritten notes all over the place uh, because what i thought was a great idea when i started um turned out to be a ton of work because i'm really anal and uh, the project was a little bit different. And, yeah, that's so I spent nine hours yesterday doing an NBA draft project. Don't you love when that happens where you're like, oh, I want to write about this. I could bang that column out in, like, 45 minutes. And then four or five hours later, you're sitting there and half of it's done and you still have a lot more to do. That's the best. Well, uh, like, be- behind the scenes. So, like, what I want, I can't, I, I don't, I want, I don't want to, I want, I don't want to spoil the surprise because I think it's a different kind of concept and I think it's kind of interesting. But the way it was working early on, I was on pace for 40,000 words. Ooh. And uh, so I talked to Jason Pat, FanRack Sports' managing editor. I'm like, hey, Jason, um, I'm only X amount deep into this. I'm already at 3,000 words. And he's like, so you're on pace like for 40, 50K. I'm like, yeah. He's like, he's like nobody's going to read that. I'm like, I know. But that's the way I wanted to do it. I actually wanted to do the very long version of it. And then, like, oddly making it shorter, it only ended up being, like, so I had to cut the scale back the beginning part to make everything read normal. Uh, it only ended up being, like, 4,800 4, 4, words. Oh, it's only 5,000 words. Yeah, it's, only, it's not it, too long. No, no, not at all. And uh, that made it much more difficult because I had to really pick and choose the context and the descriptions I wanted to use because I, like, when I did it the way I was going to do it at first, like, you would, I had all this room to work with. But then when you're kind of like on a word count, a mental word count for each thing you're talking about, it makes it much more difficult to jam in like everything you feel is relevant. Because I'm one of those weirdo- weirdos that think like literally everything's relevant. If you're new to the podcast, we use this forum to complain about our writing. This is like therapy for us. <laughs> we don't talk about sports here. We talk about writing and how it makes us feel. So congratulations. Welcome to the show. Thank you for enduring terrific radio. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, you're all going to be happy when it comes out, whenever it comes out. It's done. It's completely done. And uh, whenever it comes out, I think people will enjoy it. I, uh, it's actually full of, for me, I'm kind of lukewarm take guy. I think it's uh, full of relatively hot takes, maybe two of them out of 4,800 words. 
That's surprising. In real time, I just got a text from my buddy saying WTF is a cookout. So while we're recording Whoa! today's show, we got people listening to Monday's show, which was a lot of fun. And uh, without further ado, Joe, I think that we should stop wasting time and we should get into previewing these darn NBA finals. You yeah. ready for it? Sure. Let's. This Any- is the this is the the rubber match. This is, this is- WrestleMania three. Yeah, I guess so. Except WrestleMania three wasn't a rubber match, right? <laughs> nope. This is this is Marty Janetti versus Shawn Michaels at Monday Night Raw after the split, and then after the Royal Rumble '93, and then boom, that was the rubber match. That one match of the year. Do you know that by the way? For real life, that one match of the year, Marty Janetti versus Shawn Michaels at, at Monday Night Raw. What in like Pro Wrestling Magazine? Dave Meltzer, who was like the Ooh, Dave yeah, Meltzer. yeah, Marty Jennings. All right, we are so terribly off the rails. Who cares? If we're getting new listeners today who are like, I need more NBA Finals preview <laughs> content. I don't want to scare them away, which we've probably already done. But as Joe mentioned, this is WrestleMania three. This is Mr. T and Hulk Hogan. Was that WrestleMania three or was that I, WrestleMania one? I believe that's one. I believe three is Andre the Giant. Hulk Andre Hogan. the Giant. It's definitely Andre the Giant. I was thinking of Rocky three, which was Mr. T. Um, but this is a rubber match. This and also Thunderlips. Right. <laughs> right. All right. This has nothing to do with Mr. T or wrestling or Andre the Giant or anything along those lines. This is the most exciting thing in basketball that we've had going on for a couple of years now. This rivalry has unquestionably taken center stage in the NBA, and it only got more heated with Kevin Durant going to uh, Golden State last summer. I mean, we don't need to revisit 3-1, but... The Warriors were up 3-1 in last year's finals, looking like they were ready to repeat. And, you know, Clay Thompson makes his comments, calling it a man's league, uh, after Draymond Green and LeBron James have their little altercation on the court. And LeBron just went nuts to, to close out the finals last year. Obviously, the Cavs wind up winning. Kyrie Irving hits a huge shot in Game 7. Kevin Love locks down Steph Curry after he throws the ball out of bounds just a couple possessions before. There's a lot on the line coming into this series. I don't know if I would say that there's bad blood, but these teams definitely have to be excited to be facing off against each other. I mean, the regular season matchups were really good, too. You had the Christmas Day thriller where Kyrie Irving hits a game-winning shot again. Joe, what are your thoughts going into this series? I mean, I think consensus, and obviously if you look at Vegas, the Warriors are the heavy favorites, but does LeBron kind of suspend belief and make you think that this could be a series? Um, yeah, like, he makes, now listen, like, I should preface this, preface all those fancy things you always yell at me about, um, by saying, like, Golden State's the far and away better team. They have four superhumans, you know what I mean? I know Cleveland has three, and LeBron James is the greatest player on the planet, and... When do we start to call Tristan Thompson something close to a, a whatever you're calling these people, superheroes? Well, Super here's, a, here's the thing, like, right, like, Tristan Thompson's super valuable, valuable at what he does. But then, like, if so, like, Draymond Green is a superhuman, and he is, like, he's above being a role player. He does so many more things than Tristan Thompson. So, like, I feel like Tristan Thompson's, like, a, and I mean this with, like, a compliment, like a poor man's-ish Ben Wallace, where he's literally limited, you know what I mean, in certain areas, but he he's elite in others. Like, Thompson's an elite rebounder. Um, he's a really good defender. Um... But that's about it. <laughs> I think I think if we're going to look at these playoffs and look at you know the roles these guys have all played, I don't know that Tristan Thompson hasn't been the third most important player for the Cavs. But if we're going to if we're going to continue to label him, you know, the fourth guy there, and we're going to look at the Warriors, I don't know that it's it's fair to say Draymond is the fourth guy. I think if anything, it's probably Clay. 
who averaged, you know, like 14 points or something in the playoffs, shooting 36% from three, and it's kind of been more of a role player now that you have Kevin Durant on the team, at least in these playoffs. I mean, Clay had a tremendous regular season, but he's kind of been that fourth guy, and I would even argue that Tristan Thompson's been more valuable to what Cleveland's been able to do well than Clay has been to what Golden State's been able to do well. Of course, that's just through, you know, the first three rounds of the playoffs. We'll see what happens in the finals. I just, I think Tristan Thompson's kind of elevated himself up to being more than just, you know, a role player, being more than just, you know, in the J.R. Smith and Amon Shumpert and those guys' boat. I think that he is kind of closer to being one of these staples of what makes this team really, really, really good than, you know, one of the guys that's going to wind up helping win a game for them if the opportunity arises. But I I didn't mean to to steal your thunder and hijack where you were going with that. I just do think we should maybe start to really consider Tristan Thompson a bit more valuable than just being, you know, another one of these role players next to LeBron. I don't think anybody does that, though. I don't think anybody's like, yeah, he's J.R. Smith. I think people realize that he – but he's not – also, he's not Kevin Love. Or he's not – like, I know Clay Thompson hasn't had the greatest playoffs, but he's also not Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson – could both defend and score without needing the offense created for him or get garbage put back dunks. Like, he's not in the same level. I understand he's having a really good playoff run, but, like, if you're going to draft, I mean, this, I guess, I, I know it's not, like, a fair way to actually do it, but if you're going to draft players in this draft, he's going to be, like, what, the ninth guy? Yeah, probably From the two like teams. That. Do you know what I mean? So, like, but, like, yeah, he's way above J.R. Smith and Ian Clark and uh, Zaza and all those guys. Like, actual role, like he's a, like the term elite role player, there's nothing wrong with that. There's guys like J.R. Smith who are actual, legitimate, just role guys. And then there's guys in the league like uh, Tristan Thompson or uh, like Serge Ibaka when he was in Oklahoma City where, now I know Serge was at once considered their big three, but like now we have a little bit of hindsight to know that he's actually not that guy. But like there's nothing wrong with being considered like a super duper specialist in certain areas where you're you're just great for that team. Like I you put Tristan Thompson on most other teams and nobody cares because he's not that good. Like he's not that good overall. Like he's really, really good at rebounding, really, really good at defense. Like really good. Like I can't stress it enough. I'm not trying to short sell him. But he's just not under level. That's fair. Look, I'm I'm not saying he is. I, I don't disagree that those guys, you know, the top seven players or whatever in this series are all all-star level players and then you have Tristan Thompson I just think I I've made my point I think he's beyond being a role player for them and at this point you know looking at what we've seen in the playoffs I think he's feasibly been more valuable to his team than Clay Thompson has been to his team but that could all go out the window here but you know let's let's just get back to that original question did the Cavs stand a chance in the series Joe uh, a puncher's chance they shouldn't they shouldn't, nor are they favored. And outside of LeBron, like them having LeBron James, which really is like the thing that tilts the scales to make Cleveland actually have a real chance. If we were just looking through this through a vacuum, through numbers, through data, we would say, you know, Golden State and four. But because we know LeBron James is not LeBron James, like I'm willing to say, yeah, this can go six or seven games. And that's also the cowardly answer because everybody says whoever in six because they're too scared to do a real answer. <laughs> I think that that's a really good point, that if you were to just look at these two teams on paper and even take the names off of them, take take all the names off of the teams, look at team stats, look at player stats, you know, and look at look at what they've been able to do over the season, I think that you would definitely say, well, Team A being the Warriors should win this in four or five games. 
but that that's not where we are. You know, we're looking at a team that has LeBron on it, and LeBron's probably had his best playoff, you know, up to point in his career, which is incredible to think about. I want to get to that in a minute, but first, you know, let's just let's look at what these two teams have done so far in the playoffs. In this series, we have two of the top three offenses during the regular season. The Warriors were number one. The Cavs were number three. Uh, and they're the top two teams in offensive rating in the playoffs. The Cavs are actually first at 120.7 points per 100 possessions. The Warriors are at 115.8. Uh, and the Cavs have actually shot the ball better than the Warriors in the playoffs. They've shot at 63.4 true shooting with the Cavs. And the Warriors are at 61.3. I mean, it's not too big of a difference. The one thing that's kind of been a little surprising to me, which really shouldn't be, just because, you know, we always think of the Warriors and we think of the way they shoot the three. You think of, of Steph and you think of Clay, and now, you know, obviously they have Kevin Durant and Ian Clark, all the guys on the bench that could shoot the ball. Cavs have made a playoff best 14.6 threes per game, shooting 43.8%, which to me is just insane. The Warriors are at 12.1. I mean, I think some of that is Clay Thompson struggling. But again, he's averaging 14.4 points and he's shooting 36.4 from three, which is above average. Like, it's not like they're struggling, but the Cavs have still been the best three-point shooting team in the playoffs. Do you expect to see that still kind of in this series? Do you think the Warriors will be able to light them up because the Cavs are a bit, you know, slower defensively? Do you think the three-point shot's going to really, like, play a big impact in this series? And if it does, I mean... Is there a reason to think the Cavs can kind of get the better of them in in that aspect? Well, I think it start it actually starts with Kevin Love. Can he stay on the floor defensively? Because um, if he can't, you're taking away a guy that can really stretch the floor and make some threes. And then Cleveland's three point numbers aren't going to be as great. Um, I do think this is if we're going back before the playoffs, people thought maybe Houston could give Golden State a run just because they relied so heavily on the three. Um, I don't think anybody projected Cleveland to be this kind of three-point efficient team or as reliant upon them. Um, they're not actually reliant upon them. They're taking smart threes. They're not just jacking them up for the sake of jacking them up. But um, I think it starts with Kevin Love. Can he stay on the floor? Can he guard defensively? Is this going to be a situation where they have to pick between him and Christian Thompson? Do you know what I mean? Um, and it basically, are you going to pick defense or offense? And it becomes a dangerous slippery slope because this is historically the last three, not historically, but last three years, this is Golden State's game. Yeah, we'll go up and down with you, and we'll call on a three-point contest if you want. And they're going to win those games 99% of the time. But you have LeBron James who's shooting super efficiently from beyond the arc, which is not, like, really normal for him. And then you have Kyrie, you have Kevin Love, you have Kyle Forber, who's, like, an all-timey great shooter. And uh, so... You have Channing Frye and Darren Williams. I mean, that, that's the thing One about... One thing is, is Channing Frye going to be able to stay on the... Like, Channing Frye, Kevin Love, are those guys going to be able to stay on the floor? It depends what kind of lineups we're looking at for Golden State. And I mean, I think that, you know, Tyron Lue's got to be praying that we see a lot of Zaza Pachulia and that you see a good amount of JaVale McGee. And I mean, look, JaVale McGee's probably a better option at the five than anything the Warriors had in the finals last year. But you know, he's still the kind of guy who ideally you're dragging out to the three-point line. You're not allowing him to defend the rim. And when you have Channing Fry out there or, you know, you're you're playing some of these other guys who really help space the floor and LeBron is playing, you know, more minutes at the five or something, it, it kind of neutralizes or, or even, like, takes away the Warriors having a big man. I just don't know how many minutes they could play Draymond at the five in this series. Well, I think that's another important thing. I also think... It, the role of Mike Brown and Steve Kerr maybe coming in does matter because Draymond, without Steve Kerr being the coach, when it's Mike Brown or Luke Walton, kind of has free run to take threes and trot about the hardwood more freely. Um, and then if, when Steve Kerr is there, he's much more 
shoehorned into a certain niche and role. But I think the thing with Draymond, we all loved him two finals ago heading in. We're like, yeah, he plays the five and it's great and it's untouchable. Then we kind of realized over the last couple of years that he can't play 30 minutes a game at the five. Like he just can't, like it's just not realistic. You can't like going small is great, but you need a lot of things to happen. You have to shoot officially for three. You can't, you have to get the, you can't like, there's a really good chance on the other end of the floor. You're going to get out rebound. Like another team's going to get offensive rebounds on you, get second chance buckets. That's obviously not ideal. Um, it, it becomes really tough because if you if we start doing the matchup thing, right? Like so, like if Golden State's going to play Zaza, then of course Cleveland's going to be going to they'll probably be able to get away more with Tristan and Kevin Love on the court at the same time. You know what I mean? Zaza's kind of a black hole of I don't want to devalue him, but like he's just not a major part of the scheme. Do you know what I mean? If there's somebody that you can devalue on that team, it's okay. It's, well, it's clear. It's clear. It's clearly Zaza. And then like if if Golden State's going to go very small. Like incredibly small and go Draymond at the five and like I guess Kevin at Durant at the four and I get Sneaky and Clark and there or Sean Livingston if his body could hold up. Uh, Sean Livingston's not tiny, but you know what I mean. He's not a power forward. He's just a really tall point guard. But it, it's the when you start doing the matchup thing, it, it's really it's really dictated by early in the game who's just playing better. If Cleveland's making a ton of threes, Golden State might go small, but it won't be an offensive reason it'll be a defensive reason to keep up with with uh cleveland but then it goes to what clay thompson is clay thompson guarding lebron is draymond guarding lebron because if draymond's guarding lebron it doesn't matter really what kind of lineup you have because you're taking your your magical unique defensive marvel and just removing him from all situations where now you don't have a big in the middle unless it's Zaza. Right, and I, I don't know that you can really, you know, take Draymond and just put him on LeBron. No, no, I'm not saying that, that but I think, I think they're going to spot do it, obviously. Like, it'll be a little bit of clay, it'll be a little bit of this, it'll be a little bit of that, and a lot of help. And then, I think you'll see a lot of Iguodala and you'll see a lot of Durant on him. I think that those are going to be the two guys that you're seeing primarily guarding LeBron. That would be my guess. I think they're, I think it's going to be pretty, I think it's going to be a little bit of everybody. Um, because then, like, I mean, you still have to worry about Kyrie Irving. And I know... Like Steph's a, actually like Steph's a passable defender. Like I know he's not like this great defender, but like there's this weird thing with NBA fans and media. Like if you're not great, you're just bad. That's not true. Like Steph's not horrible. He's passable. He's fine. He's average. So it'll, I think a lot of it, like how is Kyrie cooking? You know what I mean? Could Steph not stop him, but like you know keep him from going banana pants? And then I, yeah, I would think you'd see Clay on Kurt on Kyrie more than you'd see Steph on him, and Steph is probably guarding you know whoever it is at the two, whether it's Jr. or whether you have Corver or Darren Woods. Excuse me, Darren Williams. I would think he's probably you know chasing after. Do you think that you're going to use Clay as defensive stopper guy then at, with Kyrie, and then be like, yeah, offense, don't even worry about it? I don't know. I mean, I think that they feasibly could. Obviously, that's not Clay Thompson's sweet spot. I mean, that's not to say he isn't a good defender. I think he's a very good defender. And I think last year in the finals, they were trying to put him on Kyrie a bunch after they had him guarding Russell Westbrook in the Western Conference finals. So I just would expect to see, you know, that matchup for Clay a little bit more. He's longer. He's better at, you know, on ball defense and kind of staying up on a guy. Again, though, like LeBron, you know, you're not putting a guy on LeBron and saying, shut this guy out, you're not putting somebody on Kyrie and saying, you know, lock him down. Kyrie's going to get his buckets still. So, I mean, I just think you you put Clay on him to do your best to kind of neutralize him and to, to try and, you know, put a lengthier guy on him. But the Warriors just have, they have this good defensive diversity where they can kind of switch, where everybody besides Steph is a little bit long, you know, and even if they don't have, have a tall man lineup out there, even if Draymond's at the five, I mean, 
having a Godala, having Durant, having Clay Thompson, all these guys on your wings, and then you have Draymond at five. Just defensively, they, they should be able to play good defense. They should be able to switch up. They should be able to guard the three ball a little bit better, which I think that's probably the biggest challenge. You know, aside from LeBron just being insane and having Kyrie doing amazing things like he did against Celtics, this team, you usually have a LeBron lineup with like three three-point shooters around him. And I think that that's what they're going to have to be able to do if they want to be able to shut down Cleveland or at least, you know, be able to be the better defensive team here is not allow LeBron to find open three-point shooters the way he's just so good at doing it. No, I think that's fair. And I think what is, what's actually fun, like, I think you made a good point. Like, the the, the key for uh, Golden State will be to stop Cleveland's threes. I think it's kind of funny we're focusing so much on this and then, like, the issue's actually on how Cleveland, who was bad defensively all year, heading into the postseason, matches up with Golden State. Right. Well, this is just looking at it from that lens. I mean, the Warriors are just, they're a problem. You can't guard them, especially if you're Cleveland. And I don't, what do you, what do you I don't, think Tyron Lue's going to back off? Is like, it's easier to game plan for the Celtics. <laughs> they're harder to game plan for the Celtics than it is for Golden State. Yeah, because there's just nothing you could do about Golden State. You have to just sit there and take it. It's like, yeah, it's easier to game plan for Mike Tyson than it is for Evander Holyfield. Just know you're you know going to get knocked out. Right, you know he's going <laughs> to knock you out immediately, and it's just, let's not get knocked out here. Uh, I, I don't really know about that comment. I, again, though, we're, we're really looking at this more from the what Golden State needs to do to, to make sure that they keep the upper hand in the series, which we all expect them to have, uh, and looking at kind of what the Cavs do well. I mean, look, we're, we're going into the series, and the Warriors, I think, are probably favored to win in five or six games. I think that that's probably the consensus around the league. And it's just, it, it's incredible because, again, we know the Warriors have been the best team in the NBA for the last three seasons now. This isn't a fluky thing. This isn't a, well, injuries help them get here, or this happened, or Steph Curry doesn't do this. I mean, the Warriors are just head and shoulders above everybody else in the NBA. But the Cavs are definitely the closest team to them. So I think that's really what we're, we're most excited for in this series is seeing really how close that gap is and seeing if the Warriors are just, you know, primed to go on a run where they win the next three or four NBA championships. And I think this is kind of where we're going to see if, if they really are that much better than everybody or if there's a team that could challenge them. Before we go on to the Warriors and talk about some of the things that they do really well and why we expect them to be the favorites, I just want to talk about LeBron for a minute. I mean, Joe, you, you were talking about before how just we're, we're looking at the best player in the league against, like, the best team in the league pretty much, and that's what makes this series so exciting. Up to this point in the playoffs, LeBron's averaging 32.5 points per game. That's the second-highest scoring playoff mark for him. He's shooting playoff career highs, 56.6 from the field, 42.1% from three. If he's making his jumper like he has to this point, do you think we're looking at a closer series than most people expect? Are we looking at the closest year? I, I think I misunderstood your question. Ask the question again. Closer series. If LeBron's making his jumper, are we looking at a closer series than most people expect? It's maybe because here's the thing: like with like we're ever, like most people. Not I don't want to say everybody. A lot of people are going to say Golden State in five or Golden State in six. But like if Cleveland ends up pushing it to seven or winning the series in seven or a shorter time, nobody's gonna be shocked because it's LeBron James. Do you know what I mean? Like I think. The public, we did the we did the podcast a couple weeks ago. When we said, "Is it a hot, is it getting too wild now to say, talk about how great LeBron is?" The public perceptions turned on him, and people realized he's an all timey all timer. Like he's top two, three, four, whatever. Like that's a discussion for another time. But he's way up there. So, like, 
Is it going to be a close series? It could be. I don't think it's going to be, but like, I'm not going to be one of those people that like, I can't believe this is happening because it's LeBron James. Like he's, if he X's out all of Golden State's greatness because he's LeBron James, I kind of get it. <laughs> right. And I, I, I that's a cowardly answer, but that's, I feel like that's the right one. It is. Look, I mean, I don't know why people go crazy needing to make predictions and needing to stand by predictions. I mean, what, Cavs there's nothing. Two. <laughs> Cavs and three. There's literally nothing at stake. All right. There's nothing at stake for anybody that's not playing in these games. And I mean, no one's going to be like, oh, Jared said Warriors and six and the Warriors one and six. He is the most knowledgeable basketball watcher <laughs> I know. I mean, it just doesn't work like Jared that. Jared said Ian Clark would have seven points in game one and shoot 42% in game two. He's a genius. That's- that's your prediction. And I mean, that's that's more of a genius prediction than anything related to who you're pre- you know predicting to win the series. Look, it's it's the finals. It's the two best teams from each conference. I mean, we're not talking about you know the the Knicks eight seed upsetting the Heat one seed. It's not like <laughs> ridiculous is going to happen. And I know that you're going to get the hyperbole the hyperbole that's going to make it seem like that if the Cavs win the series because of how ridiculous the Warriors are. But I mean. The Cavs aren't slouches. The Cavs are, are incredible. They've been the top five team, even having, you know, a, a bad defense this year. And that was coasting through the regular season. We still knew they were going to get to this point and nobody was going to challenge them. And that's exactly what happened. And in the same respect, I mean, we knew the Warriors were probably going to skate through the playoffs and they didn't lose a game. One of the things I kind of wanted to talk about, I mean, we're, we're talking about LeBron here and we're talking about how ridiculously great he is. We could have that conversation every day, any day. I mean, th- there's nothing new to that. I'm not you know, breaking news by saying LeBron is good and he's having a great playoff. Do you think the fact that these two teams have kind of caught breaks along the way in saying that, you know, Isaiah Thomas was out for the Celtics, you look at the Warriors and their playoff schedule and who who did they play? They played Portland without Nurkic, then they played Utah without Gobert, and then they played the Spurs without Kawhi. I mean, do you think that's going to have any impact on what we see in the finals? No, I don't, because... I mean... I like I don't to, I don't want to say this without trying to because I'm not I don't want to devalue those players to those teams. But I mean Golden State has Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, <laughs> and Draymond Green. I mean like that's an all star. They have an all star team. They like those guys could literally be the four dudes that start every game for the like United States of America going into the Olympics, and then we could put me, you, and three listeners on like on the bench and we win the gold. Do you know what I mean? So like. No, I don't think so. And I'm not trying to say that Gobert is not important. And obviously, quiet weather is super important. And I mean, like the Portland stuff. Let's be honest; it doesn't matter. And uh, like on the on the East side, I mean, Isaiah Thomas wasn't going to matter. Like he wasn't going to matter to this huge degree that like how, if, how if, we, yeah. The if, you're, if the arguments are, are they going to be battle tested? I don't know. I mean, they're both kind of came in the same way. I guess Cleveland had a slightly tougher role because they had the, the Indiana series early. But Cleveland also came into the playoffs super flat defensively. So they kind of worked out a lot of their, their issues, and they're probably still not great defensively. But by now, we're 100 bazillion games into the season. These are who the teams, they who they are. So I don't think like the three series that precede this actually matter. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I just wanted to bring that up, the fact that both these teams have kind of caught some breaks, and now we're seeing them play against other teams that are at 100% for the most part. Well, who went out last year for Cleveland? Or was it last year or the year before? They, they lost Kevin Love and Kyrie, right? Well, they, they, lost Kevin, they lost Kevin Love in the finals last year. He suffered a concussion. But then they leave Kyrie in like the, the, what, the Eastern Conference Finals or something at some point. Who did they lose? They lost somebody important. 
Yeah, they were without. They were without two years ago. They were without Kyrie and Kevin Love in the finals. Kevin Love went out in that you know opening series against Boston, and then Kyrie got hurt against the Hawks. And yeah, well, so like, did, did we do that back then? Like, oh well, uh, you know, this team that made it all the way to the no people were like, oh yeah, the East stinks. They they stink so much because LeBron is so great and da da da. Like, well, people just switch the narrative however they want to make it fit. It doesn't matter. I I agree with you. I, agree. I, 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 I think, I'm, I'm sorry. I, it just it's bothered me. It's like it doesn't. It really like we knew at the beginning of the season these two teams were gonna meet. We knew going into the playoffs these two were gonna meet. Jude's got hurt during the playoffs. That stinks. It stinks for fans. It stinks for people that are interested in the NBA. But it didn't change what we all knew was going to happen. And I, it doesn't matter. Like Paul George having a game in Game Three or whatever the second round, the first round of the playoffs isn't gonna make LeBron James better or worse on Thursday night. I agree with you, Joe. I, I agree. Hashtag that, rocker dropper. <laughs> so we, we've talked a little bit about LeBron. We've talked a bit about the Cavs. Let's go over to the Warrior side a little bit. We've been seeing the MVP form of Steph Curry in these playoffs, which, I mean, the guy's always great. Even when he's not playing great, he's still shooting like 39% from three and averaging close to, you know, 25 points. But in these playoffs, he, he's averaging a ridiculous Warriors best 28.6 points per game on 50% from the field and 43% from three. Joe, is he the guy with the most to prove in this series? Not really. No, nobody's actually the most to prove in this series. Uh, I mean, that's not true, though. That's not true because we end last year's finals and everybody's crapping all over Steph. No, totally. I get it. I get it. But, like, realistically, he already has two NBA MVPs and a, yes, a ring under his belt. Level-headed lead, he has nothing to so, prove. But you're right. Like, perception-wise, to people that love to fall into these traps. Correct. If you have to pick one, yeah, it's it's why well, it's him or Kevin Durant. But yeah, it's probably him because he if he doesn't play well and Golden State wins the title, it'd be like, yeah, well they won because of Durant's there. And then if he only plays like good but not great, they'll say like, Oh, of course he played good because the spacing's better with Kevin Durant. Like almost all the if you don't like Steph or you don't want to give Steph credit, if you want to say like he's too small, he's not this, he's not that, you will use you will find something. You'll find something. Yeah. It'll be Kevin Durant. It'll be something. It'll be because Kyrie was on them instead of whoever else because LeBron was on something. Like, it'll be whatever. Um, so, yeah, I do think he has to play great. I don't think, like, he needs to be the reason they win. That we, But I'm also, like you said, like, I'm also normal. Like, I can appreciate. We have, we have this talk all the time. Like, you should be able to appreciate greatness without having it to be, like, jammed down your throat with a 60-point game. You know what I mean? So, like. I think if he plays like his, what's he? He's averaging like almost twenty nine in these playoffs, correct? Yeah, twenty eight point six. Yeah, so like, I know like the 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 idea is that he uh, shrinks in the finals. The first time these two teams met in the finals, he should have been the MVP. People just got infatuated with Iguodala, the LeBron stop, or even the LeBron scored like thirty points per game. So he he should have had uh, NBA final. They just they just go back to Game Seven last year, and they're like, yeah, that's he shrinks in the finals, Game Seven. You know, that's, that's one of the more fascinating conversations is how well Steph actually played in the 2015 finals. Mm-hmm. Just he wasn't like he didn't shoot his crazy, ridiculous 50 percent from three. He, like that. he only shot 45 percent from the field <laughs> and 39 percent from three and averaged 25 points a game in that series. But it wasn't a good series for him. Yeah, Delhi stopped. Delhi made so much money off that because of the right. whole he's deal. just gotten to this point where he does such ridiculous things that when he's not doing them at the highest level. He's somehow either choking or not that good or soft or something 
something ridiculous. But uh, well, we I, did. We, we literally did it with Clay Thompson earlier. We're like, yeah, he's he's uh, only averaging fourteen points on like thirty six percent shooting from three. Like, like those are still really good numbers. You they, know what they, I mean? that's, that's what I'm saying. They are really good numbers still, but it's not what we're used to out of him. I mean, look, when you're a career, you know, forty two to forty four to forty five percent three point shooter. Anything below that is going to be looked at as what's wrong with this guy, even though it shouldn't always be. I mean, again, you're Steph and you're shooting 39% from three and averaging 25 points. You're still playing really well. With that said, I mean, I, I really hope he comes out and is the MVP form of himself. I would love to see him light this series up. I, I asked you who do you think has more at stake, more to prove. Who are you expecting to have a bigger series between him and Kevin Durant? Oh, man. Oh, this, see, this is tough because I think it, it's – it's not actually who's like a better player or who's going to, I think it's like, how does Cleveland decide to guard that team? Right. And I think the answer step will, has a chance to have the better series because there's almost no possible way a good defender, like a, a great or good to great defender could constantly be on step. And I feel like you need your one of like at least one of Cleveland's best defenders at Kevin at all times. Because he's so tall and lanky and he does so many things. Basically what I'm saying is that LeBron might have to guard Kevin Durant a lot of the time. And I can't see them ever making a decision to put like somebody really big and lanky on Steph. I, th- I think he's just going to have the chance to cook. Steph is. Yeah. Like, I think, I don't think like necessarily Cleveland's going to just plan just like, hey guys, we'll let Steph and Clay and Draymond kill us just to make sure we're stopping Kevin. I just think the way they match up. That, I mean, like, out, so you have Kyrie, then what are you going to put, like, J.R. Smith on stuff as well, or, or like, what? Do you know what I mean? Like, I know that they have, like, decent, like, Kyle Korver when he's in the game. Is he going to, like, where are they going to pick their battles? Because they, they're not great defensively. Do you know what I mean? Right. So they have Amon to, Shumper can only guard one guy. Right, right. And that, his name was actually escaping me. I was so afraid I was in complimentary fields for some reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I used to confuse them, but, um... He's not even in the league anymore, is he? Uh, not in the league. Yeah, not in the league anymore. He should be in the big three. You know what's uh, so funny that you brought that up, and I really hate to kind of like railroad do it, this. Do it, do it, do it. Saw, I saw Amon Shumpert at a Yankees game. I had ridiculous, ridiculous seats. I saw Amon Shumpert at a Yankees game his rookie year, so it must have been uh, the beginning of like the 2012 baseball season. I was sitting close to him. My buddy went and took a picture with him, and I stood in the back. I didn't want anything to do with it, and I said to him, yo, tell Landry Fields to step his game up is what I said to Amon Shumpert. I said, tell Landry Fields to step his game up, he's trash. <laughs> and Shumpert gave me such a dirty look. He was so mad that I said that to him at a Yankee game. But continue. Continue talking about how the Cavs are not going to be able to guard Steph and Durant. Well, the game just, like, the thing is, like, they literally, he's a, let's pretend they try to, let's pretend Shumpert gets huge minutes and they figure out a way to try to stop Durant. Then you just leave Clay and Draymond. But, like, I do think Steph's in a better position to put up monster numbers and just because Shumpert isn't going to play 40 minutes a game. And I don't think, and I watched tonight, uh, <laughs> tonight he'll just go butt bonkers and score 17 points and they'll be able to leave him in the game for line stretches. But, uh, I just think there's, I don't want to say there's more ways to combat Durant uh, when Cleveland on defense. I think you're just better equipped to do so. I think that this is really going to be the team, this being the Warriors, that's going to exploit Cleveland's defense. And Cleveland's defense has been a lot better in the playoffs than they were in the regular season. But they also didn't play Golden State. <laughs> right, they didn't play Golden State. And, I mean, you look at where they had success last year against Golden State, and it usually came when 
when the Warriors had one of their bigs on the court and it came with Harrison Barnes missing every single shot he took. I mean, this year you're not going to be able to let Kevin Durant take these open threes the way you let Harrison Barnes take them last year. And you're going to have to account for a big man, whether it's JaVale McGee catching alley-oops around the rim or whether it's Draymond or David, David West, whoever it is. They're going to have to account for that. They're not going to be able to play off of these guys the way they did last season. And I think that, you know, being able to do that kind of helped them focus on Steph and focus on Clay. And they're not going to be able to do the same thing because now you have to guard Kevin Durant, if not double-team him. You have to guard Steph. You have to guard Clay. You have to guard Draymond. Like, there just there isn't a guy to leave open. And one of the things Cleveland likes to do defensively is kind of let LeBron roam around. I don't see how they're going to be able to do that in this series against Golden State. And that's that's really my biggest fear for the Cavs is them getting exploited defensively because they just they don't have the guys to guard to guard the Warriors. And, I mean, you might see more of, like, Richard Jefferson out there because I guess he's more athletic even though he's a dinosaur and he doesn't move that well anymore. But the alternative options just aren't pretty. I mean, I don't know how many minutes you can play Kevin Love when, when the Warriors go small. Who does he even guard? I mean, yes, he, he made the big stop in the finals last year. Just He's not a guy you can leave out there in, in long stretches when the Warriors go small. You're not going to be able to guard the three. You're not going to be able to stay in front of these guys. And I think that that's really what this series comes down to is the Cavs just defensively don't have the firepower to guard one mm-hmm. through five on the Warriors when the Warriors are clicking on all cylinders, which we don't have any reason to believe they're not going to be in these finals. Right. And I, and like to be fair, and it's not an excuse for them, Like no team in the NBA is built to stop Golden State. So like, um, it doesn't mean Cleveland's, it makes it okay for Cleveland. They're still in a world of trouble because of it. It's just... Sometimes you just got to know going in what your weakness is, and their weakness is every team's weakness against Golden State is not matching up properly on the one side of the floor. So, like, you need, like, your best defense, I guess, is actually going to be your offense because you need to be really efficient offensively to stay in the game because Golden State should be able to do really well when they're on offense, and they should do well efficiently, and they should make a lot of threes. And so, like, and you're not going to be able to stop it, like, I don't know if you could formulate another roster in the NBA to stop that offense. I don't know. Like, especially when they go small for stretches. And uh, he's like, how do you really match? There's really no way to match up to a team that can. Like, we talk about spreading in basketball a lot. And it's always relative to a team, right? Like, if you have a slow, plodding center, the, the best spreading you could do is the one guy in the middle and the four guys outside. Golden State can literally spread it, like, when they go small, any way they want. Do you know what I mean? They could put a guy on top of Steph Curry's head, another guy underneath the basket, just running the baseline. They do that a lot with Clay Thompson. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's one of the deals with Cleveland to know, should know going in. Yeah, we have to try, but there's actually no lineup they could throw out there that that should win. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And right, let's start wrap up. I'm sorry. No, of course. I, I agree with you. Let, let's start wrapping up, Joe. What's one matchup that you're really excited for in this series? Uh, matchup, matchup, matchup. If Clay does end up guarding LeBron at all, because I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a pretty big Clay Thompson homer. I'll admit it. Um, I want to see because LeBron's so strong, like he's just so physically strong. How LeBron attacks him? Not if Clay could actually stop him. Because nobody can stop LeBron when he's good. Like if he decides to go up to the basket. I don't. Know, I'd be interested to see how he tries to defend him if he's on him for like a couple, like for a couple minutes stretch here and there. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to not pick LeBron versus whoever it's going to be, whether it's going to be Durant or whether it's going to be Draymond. I mean, on offense, I look forward to both LeBron and KD going at each other. I look forward to seeing Draymond try to stop LeBron. I, I look forward to the LeBron aspect of this. 
I'm really excited, though, for Steph and Kyrie. I don't know how much we're going to see them go against each other, you know, man-to-man or whatever, but Kyrie's really stepped his game up against Steph Curry in the past. You know, game one of the 2015 finals kind of sticks out for everybody because Kyrie played good defense in that game and then gets hurt at the end of it, and we didn't get to see him back in the finals, you know, for the rest of the series. I'm excited to see how these two guys do because, again, I think that, you know, the magnifying lens or the magnifying glass is on Steph where we're really looking to see what he does in this series and to see if he can kind of, you know, take the series into his hands and control the offense and be that best version of Steph Curry. At this time, I mean, I don't like doing the whole clutch thing, but at this point, and especially coming off last series, you can't say Kyrie Irving isn't clutch and that he isn't playing his best games in the biggest moment. He was ridiculous those last few games in the finals last year. I mean, him and LeBron really just helped swing, you know, all the momentum in that series, and they played ridiculous basketball. So I'm looking forward to seeing that matchup. Joe, let, let's let's make some predictions. Actually, before we make predictions, <coughs> no call. Excuse me, I could have I could have put Did the first. Uh, before we make predictions, let me call. If the Cavs win, will this be the biggest upset in the history of the NBA Finals? I feel like last year actually was. I, I think so too. Actually, that that's a really great point. I mean, but with that said, I mean this is a better Warriors. It is. It really is. And the thing like. Outside the win total, the data kind of backs it up as well. So I guess again. But the thing, like, if they win again, so we have two years of them doing the greatest upset ever, then could it actually be an upset if they do it twice? Do you know what I mean? Like, I know I'm over trying to rationalize it, but if Cleveland beats them back-to-back years, and both years Golden State was an all-time great team, is it actually an upset then? Do you know what I mean? Oh, my God. I'm so glad you said that because one of the things I've been thinking about is how it's crazy that we're looking at this Warriors run the last three years and doing this. This is probably the best team we've ever seen in the NBA, these last three Warriors, which is something I kind of agree with. I, I kind of feel that way strongly. Meanwhile, the Cavs have gotten to all three finals <laughs> yeah. over this three-year stretch. They could feasibly win the championship again this year, meaning they've won two of these three championships, and they've won two championships in an era where the Warriors are supposedly the greatest team in NBA history. So... I, I think the playing field is a little more even than we like to give credit for, and this is one of those times where we kind of just let ourselves get carried away with you know with raw stats and with, with number and advanced stats. I don't know that it'd be a big upset. I understand why people want to paint that picture just because of you know how historically great this Warriors team has been. I, I don't know that I could say it is though. I mean, I can't think of one off the top of my head to, to kind of trump it, but uh, I, I just don't know how to ever call LeBron James winning a championship. A major upset. And this is also, like, I don't want to go too deep into this. We literally just talked about it Monday. This is also us all underselling how good Cleveland's roster actually is. Like, I'll, like I know their bench isn't great and it's super old. Like, but it's the right guys that you want to yeah, put around LeBron. But, and it's, it's right so, and it, construct. Right, and it's, it's, it's Kevin Love and it's Kyrie Irving who are legitimate. Like, I know this is projecting a bit, but, like, they have three-ish future Hall of Famers on their team. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. And I'm talking three guys in their prime. Like, I know LeBron, like, maybe you want to argue LeBron's, whatever. He's still in his prime. He's in his prime. Yeah, so, like, but, like, whatever. Like, I don't want to get in the smoke. But they have have three Hall of Famers in their prime. Now, I know Golden State has four. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But, like, it's not like their rosters. It's not like it's LeBron and them guys. This isn't the Dwight Howard Orlando Magic team. Do you know what I mean? Like that's what I feel like people make it seem to be too often. Like, no, it's 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 all timey great LeBron. It's two Hall of Famers. It's as you talked about before, Tristan Thompson, who's super super good. And then it's like 
a pretty good roster construct otherwise. You have Shooter Guy and Kyle Korver. You have old-timey vet Richard Jefferson who's 75 years old. Then you have guys like Channing Fry, like 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 guys that are like high-level role you have guys. Darren, Darren Williams as a role player on this team, and Jr. as a role player, and Shepard as a role player. is a really good defender. Good like, it's a good roster. Like we undersell it too often. Like it's it's not LeBron and them guys. It's LeBron, Hall of Famers, All Stars, historically great shooters, elite level defenders. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a really good roster. I think we've we've undersold it because we were. So, and it, it's nobody's fault, really. I think we, we all do. We get caught up in the moment. We saw Kevin Durant go to Golden State. We're like, oh, do you know what I mean? Like, this is for, for future Hall of Famers. And, like, we just kind of forgot that Cleveland has three. Yep, definitely. It's it's the matchup we've all wanted. It's the matchup we've all waited for. And hopefully it'll live up to its billing and we'll see some close games. Just really hoping for non-blowouts. That said, Joe, let's give some predictions. What are you expecting to see in these finals? Um, there will be blood. No, um, I expect to see LeBron James attack Draymond Green with his testicles. Ooh, Did fair you enough. Wait, um, that, that was a Twitter joke. Somebody wrote Matt Moore from CBS. I did. Yeah, so, um. I did, I did, I did. I, sorry, I What do you call him, violent weapons or something? Yeah, he called his weapon, his testicles violent weapons. And then he attacked LeBron, uh, Draymond Green with them. Um, I do think the Warriors win in five. I hope I'm wrong. I do think these games will be close. Um, I do so. I, I like a bounce to the ball, a tip of the hat, a, uh, a fart in the wind, a spring eagle here. Like it could go six or seven. But um, I have, I have, I have, I like. It's one of those deals like where I really want to give Cleveland more of the benefit of the doubt because I really like the roster and I really like Kevin Love and Kyrie and LeBron and I think they're a really really good team. But I just don't have that much data to tell me I should do that. <laughs> do you fair know what enough. I mean? No. I, yeah, that's fair, and I'm going to kind of go the opposite way of you. I'm still going to pick the Warriors. I'm going to pick them in seven here. Uh, I just, it doesn't feel great to pick them in seven, because I do think that it's fair to assume they're going to win in five or six. I We did this last year, win. by the way. Both of us picked Golden State, like, within, well, you didn't go seven. I think you went six. I had and Warriors I went, in six. And I, I, think I, had them, I think I had them in five. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah I, I just, I can't do that. I can't. I can't rule out LeBron James. I just can't. And again, you know, the Cavs are more than LeBron. Kevin Love is playing his best Cavaliers basketball. He's looked like a completely different player in these playoffs than he did with them, you know, last year in the playoffs. You could argue Kevin Love's a top 15 player again. Yeah, I mean, he's working his way into it. He's working his way into it. He's really, you know, been great in that role. He has more confidence than he's ever had. He's still a rebounding machine for this team. I mean... I think this Cavs team is a lot better than last year's Cavs team. Mm-hmm. I I, this year, I think this year's Warriors team is better than last year's Warriors team. It's hard for me to kind of look at last year's series, though, and say so much went wrong for the Warriors and so much went right for the Cavs, and it was still such a close series, and imagine that that's not going to translate over in the favor of the Warriors this year. But I still think some of these Cavs guys are playing better this year than they played last year, and it's just hard for me to, to, to rule them out and to say they're going to go down in five. And I can't, again, see Golden State winning in six. So I'm going to go Warriors in seven. And, and I really hope that that's what we get. So if we do our, our average, we have Warriors. You have in seven. I have five. That's 12. So we have the average Warriors in six, the cowardly answer. Yep, correct. Hey, that's what we do. We're cowards. We own it. We don't shy away from it. Yes, sir. All right, guys. That's all we have for today. We really hope that you enjoyed the finals. 
thanks to the people that got your AMA questions in. I think they'll still be relevant next week, so we'll try to answer them then. Just ran out of time today, but everybody, enjoy these finals. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at jmincehoops. Catch my basketball writing at fanragsports.com. Have a column coming out about LeBron's greatest rivals of his career. Joe, tell the good people where they could find you. Oh, I mentioned three that. Uh, on Twitter, at Joseph Nardone, N-A-R-D-O-N-E. Also at FanRagSports.com. For the love of God, when this NBA draft project comes out and I tweet it, please read it because it took me nine hours. Shout out to Joe for taking nine hours to work on his project. Whoop, whoop. All around me are familiar websites. Worn out clickbait. Worn out hotcakes. Bright and early for the daily link dumps. No one's clicking. No one's clicking. Their pupils are filling up their pockets. But not for writers. Not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow. No tomorrow. And I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of sad. The internet, in which I'm worthless, is the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you. I find it too hot to take. When people blog in circles, it's a very, very mad world. Mad